Welcome back to the Limitless Life Podcast, or welcome if you're new here. Typically, that's something I'd say after the intro, but today's episode is a little bit different. I have a guest with me, and normally what happens when I'm recording guest episodes is we hop on the Zoom call and we have a little bit of banter back and forth before we actually start diving in, but today's guest and I, the banter was just so good, I wanted to include some of it. So I hope you like this episode. I'm creating it in a way that feels a lot more conversational. It's going to feel like, you know, some girlfriends just hanging out, having a chat. And uh, I don't know, maybe I will start including some of the banter because sometimes there are so many golden nuggets in the banter before the actual show uh, that I think are very valuable for people. My guest today is Nancy Medoff, and she is a keynote speaker, a best-selling author, and an executive coach. She helps women step into who they are and really own their it factor and do the thing so they can engineer the life they know is waiting for them on the other side of their fears. You're going to hear about how after close to three decades of walking the talk in corporate sales leadership... Nancy ditched her VP global sales job after being spoken over one too many times in meetings. I'm sure a lot of you can relate to that. I know I can. She did the thing and she followed her passion for empowering women to claim their seat at the table and then build the bigger table. Her best-selling communication playbook, Unmute Yourself and Speak Up to Stand Out, was listed in Forbes before being published and it debuted at number one on Amazon twice. Her top 25 podcast, Unmute Yourself. That podcast is a call to action for women everywhere to speak up and step into who they are meant to be and thrive at work. So after you listen to this episode, go check out her podcast and I'm going to uh, stop babbling now. Let's dive into this. You're listening to the Limitless Life Podcast, helping you simplify mindset and energetics by giving you easy-to-use strategies that'll help you ditch the self-sabotage and move through resistance so you can create your limitless life and business. I'm your host, Brenna Johnston, and as a subconscious mindset strategist, I've learned over the years how to make the deep transformational work even easier and far more effective. So join me weekly for new episodes and get ready to step into your highest potential. Hey, by the way, it is incredibly fantastic to meet you. You too. I love having the conversations on like the Instagram and all the things. I just had a guest. I've known her for 10 years. We met on Twitter. Right. I love it. I, I, what's interesting is I think people are so afraid to reach out and send a DM. Like I check all my own DMs. I know you do too. Yeah. And I love, there's nothing I love more than hearing from people. I love it. I wish more people would do it. Yeah. And it's nice too, because I know even you and I, cause you reached out. Cause I think you heard me on Tiffany's thing with the signs and like, we were talking about that. And I, I like hearing people having experiences about things that like maybe I've talked about and maybe it seems a little crazy. And so I personally like that. I love it. I don't know anybody who does. I don't know anybody who doesn't and anybody who doesn't, I think like people reaching out to them has someone else check it. So what's the, like, you got to send the DMS. Yeah. Right. I feel like we've already started the podcast, but I was, I, gonna, I, I know I was going to say, normally I'll just do the intro. Like I add the intro after. Yeah. So. Okay. I'm, By the I'm way, just, is that a real bookcase? No, I'll wait for yeah, that. It's real. Really? 
there's another half of it over there. And let me tell you, I had an incident a couple years ago because I had so many books that my bookcase came off the wall because yeah, so you gotta, yeah, you gotta and I had it. to take all the books off and I didn't realize how many books I had until they surrounded my entire office floor and I was like holy shit I should maybe get rid of some of these books that's so interesting from an energy um coach you know what it is I love paper books and I don't always read the books from cover to cover. I feel yeah. like yeah. I will get a book because there's some sort of message in it that I need to hear. And then I just put it on the shelf when I'm done. But I did, I got rid of a lot of, cause I'm, I started out as like a nutritional therapist. And so I had like a lot of nutrition books and stuff. Yeah. I was like, I just, I need to get rid of some of these. So I kept some of them. They're on the other half, but, and should then I send you, should I send you a copy of my book, by the way? Yeah, I would love uh, we, that. Yeah, throw your address in the chat. I'll send it. I will do that. I also felt like I needed some space without books. Uh, to me, excuse me. So to me, it, I, like I have a few, you can't see them. Like I have a few right here and then I have a few here and that's it. Um, Cause I, it's like, it, yeah. I've had a dream since I was a little kid to have a room that is just books and a piano, a baby grand piano and books. I just want like a library. I was going to say, I believe they call that a library. Yeah. <laughs> it's what I want. And with one of those like ladder things. Yeah. Those are cool. Shifts back yeah. and forth. That's pretty neat. That's pretty neat. Yeah. Okay. I don't know like why I want that. It feels a little magical to me. I'm not sure. Is it like a Harry Potter thing? Are you into Harry Potter? No, I I don't not like Harry Potter. I just, I think because I was older when that came out, I wasn't, I mean, I love magic. Like I love magic. When I was a little kid, my parents would take me to see like David Copperfield all the time. My dad would buy me magic kits. Like I love magic. So who knows? And I'm stoked to have this conversation with you for so many reasons. I love it. One, you're like experiencing the energy stuff. You're doing it. You're seeing the signs. So cool. You've like left your corporate job. You know, I want to talk about the happiness curve. I want to talk about like all the things because I think as we get older, Cause like I said, I'm going to be 49 in October and I go through these moments of like, <gasps> I'm running out of time. I'm not where I'm supposed to be. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I was having one of those moments and I just happened to go on Instagram and you had this damn post up yeah. and it was all about like, it's not too late. You're exactly yeah. where you're supposed to be. And I was like, okay, universe, thank you for that sign right there. <laughs> and then I listened to your podcast episode about the happiness curve. And I was like, huh, this makes so much sense to me. Can we start? I know we've been talking already, but can you kind of take us back? Cause I know you worked in corporate for years. I did 27 years. Yeah. And yeah. then you left and you yeah. were like a VP of global yeah. sales. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, not like, <laughs> right. 
It wasn't like I was right in the mailroom. Not that there's nothing wrong with being in the mailroom. I had a big power job. Do you want me to tell you the little, the story about how yeah, I, I yeah. want to know, like, did you just wake up one day and be like, okay, I'm done. Like, well, it's interesting. You say that because I had a great career, uh, 25 years with a, actually I, I 25 years with married international. Uh, when I left them, I was <clears throat> co-leading their global sales organization. So this was, you know, hundreds of people across the world. Um, and it was a great job. I left Marriott and went to go work for another company as VP of global sales. I built and led my own global sales team. So I'll tell you the story. I was in a meeting. This is a true story. And when you read the book, you'll see it. I was in a meeting and let me back up. So about 23 years into my career with Marriott, I felt like something was missing. I just felt like is is this it? Like, is this is this what I what I'm doing? Is this really it? Is this it? Which I'm sure you've experienced the same, right? Yeah. And I hired a coach. I had never even heard of a coach, um, and I found this woman on the internet, the interweb back then. And I googled executive coaching. This woman came up. Anyway, long story short, I worked with her, and it completely changed my life. She's not doing it anymore, which really bums me out. I remember everything we talked about and she got me to realize that leaving your job, if you've been with the same company for a long time, or if you're moving on from something you've been doing a long time, it's not a divorce. It's a graduation. I remember this is what she said. I loved it. Mm. And I was like, huh, because I felt this loyalty and I felt like I was divorcing, you know, in kind of in theory. So anyway, so I'm sitting in a meeting. So, sorry. So I talk with her and we develop a long-term strategy, like a two or three-year strategy. Who knows? Who knows when it will be? But when that time comes, here's what you will do. Here's what your life will look like in terms of what you'll be doing for work, how you'll be feeling, who you'll be serving, how you want to be spending your time, all, all of the things. So, and that was like a two-year process. And the minute I started working with her, and this is what I tell my clients, because um, it's it's very specific. The minute you, if you're if you're upset at work or you're in a toxic work environment or you feel like you're in a dead end, the minute you take one small action, one, everything that's that's eating at you at work, and all the negative energy you're getting from that, it starts to go away. So when you know there's a plan, and okay, I'm not going to be in this situation forever. You know there's a way out. You know you're working on what's next all the stuff like the gossip or the overworked or whatever, all of it, it, it's still there, but it impacts you much, much less. Would you agree? I see you nodding. Would you? Yes. It's so funny that you say that because when I, because I was in the corporate, I mean, I worked in advertising and marketing for 24 years. I didn't know that. I did not know that. Yeah. And when I was in corporate, we used to joke that that's where creative directors and designers go to retire. And so I was just like, I'm just going here because whatever. And I remember the gossip and the negativity. And I remember when I hired my coach, finally, it took me 10 years. But once I hired this coach and we created this plan and it was like a one year plan, because I was like, I want to get the fuck out of here. And the moment we did that, the negativity, yes, it was still there, but it mm-hmm. didn't bother me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The toxic energy didn't bother me because now, and this is what I teach people, 
because I had shifted my focus to the outcome I wanted, my energy got way more expansive. And it was almost like a game. Like I could go into work and I was like, not bothering me. And guess what? I'm getting the fuck out of here. Yeah. 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 Yes. And as you were talking, I was thinking the other thing is the other benefit of, of hiring a coach while you're still working is that you can do things in your job, in your current role that will serve you in your next chapter. So for me, it was training. I wanted, I knew I wanted to go be a trainer and, or I was training, but I knew I wanted to consult and train. So I could build out all these different models or, you know, um, proof of concepts or whatever, and test them out with this multi-billion dollar company so that I had, uh, my toolbox was ready to go when I, when I was ready to go. It was, it was fantastic. And it's cheaper than therapy. That's what I say, right? Like I can either spend this money on a coach to help me get to my next step, or I can spend this money trying to, trying to be happy. And for me, it was hiring a coach. Yeah. Same. And at the time, I mean, every good coach that I've hired and worked with, I've had to make a financial leap. Mm -hmm. Like I've had to max out a credit card or I've had to get a small business loan and that's scary as shit. But the ROI on that (laughs) is worth it because staying stuck for those 10 years, that like looking back, I know now though, also I had to, it was part of the journey. I wouldn't be the person I am now had I not gone through that. So I don't, I'm not like, oh, I wasted 10 years. It's not like that. No, I, I totally agree. And what's scarier? Um, you know, cutting back on your manicure schedule or, you know, whatever, or waking up and you're 65 and you're retiring and you had a miserable corporate career. Like what, what it, to me, it's a no brainer at this point because right. Right. What's more scary being miserable for the rest of your life or, you know, and I know that sounds tough, but it's, it's true. Like if, so this brings me back to my story of why I ended up actually leaving. So I was in a meeting and I was the leader of a large sales organization. And this was a, it was an in-person meeting. This was before the pandemic. It was before Zoom. And there was a big speakerphone in the middle of the room. Do you remember those big- Oh God, the polycoms. The polycom speakerphones. Yeah. I (laughs) call them the Star Trek phones. And they'd have the microphones coming down from the ceiling. Hilarious. So there was about 18 people around this table and there were maybe three women, it was mostly men. And- the, the man leading the meeting asked a question about my team and my colleague, my, one of my male colleagues answered the question. And I was like, huh, okay, whatever. I'm like, it was a little weird. And then, it, you know, whatever, the meeting kept going. And then this, this senior VP asked another question and my colleague, we'll call him um, Ethan. He answered again. And I said, okay, all right, this is, this, this is gonna be a problem. So the third time he did it, I looked around the room and I said, oh my gosh, I am so sorry. Am I on mute? And because I'm a smart ass, right? I'm the, I'm the youngest of four. And it stopped the meeting. And the, the guy leading the meeting said, you know, guys, she's right. We need to let her talk. And the meeting carried on, you know, and it, whatever. We all went about our day. And I remember getting into my car because it was a meeting in my hometown and driving home. And I was so furious. And I thought about, I'm an extrovert. I, I will stick up for myself. I oftentimes speak first and, and think about it later, right? I, th- I thought about the thousands of women, the introverts, the women's in other countries, the women's, the women who literally would not speak up and, 
and advocate for themselves. And I said, that's it. This is what I need to do. This is my calling. It sounds cliche, but it was. And I quit my job like two weeks later and I started my company and I and ended up writing my book and the podcast and all that stuff. So it's, it was, um, I had had enough, but in retrospect, Brenda, I had had enough, but I had laid the groundwork so that I knew, okay, I'm not just going to leap and the net will appear. I love that expression, mm. but the net's not going to appear unless you've been thinking about the net and working on the net and you know what kind of net you need. So, so that's how I ended up leaving. And I'll tell you, I've never been happier. Never, ever, ever been happier. Your whole world changes. Right. I, it's cool. funny. Cause I said to somebody, I'm like, this is going to sound really weird, but like when I handed in the resignation, it's like the colors in the world got brighter yeah. Yeah. and the sounds sounded different. And I had this huge, just energetic weight lifted off of mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. and I didn't know how things were going to go. I knew success wasn't an option. And I talk about that a lot. I had already started building my business. So I had clients, but like, it was just so freeing. Well, what, what was the catalyst for you finally resigning? Oh my gosh. There's so many for 10 years. I had a good friend that I worked with and I would be like, yeah, one day I'm going to go work for myself. And he would say, yeah, that's going to be cool. And I remember one day we're having this conversation. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to, I got to get the fuck out of here. Like this place is sucking the life out of me. And he looked at me and laughed and was like, yeah, you say that every fucking year. He's like, you say that all the time and you're still here. And it was like something inside of me flipped. And I had this mad ball of rage, Mm -hmm. which was the catalyst. And I was like, no, like it's time I'm getting the fuck out of here. I probably would have left sooner, but I had gone through a divorce. And then I was in that fear mindset of like, oh, I need stability. I need to nest. But yeah, it was that conversation. Mm-hmm. It just, I had had enough and there was a lot of politicking going on and it, It was like the universe was throwing everything at me to make me miserable there. And I wasn't listening for a really long time. Yeah. And then, of course, there's the people. Well, you're 44. Are you crazy? Boy, you can't leave your corporate job in your 40s. But we know that's not (laughs) How do you like me now? (laughs) I mean, that's really, that's really, sure I can. Right. So when, when you say, I feel like I'm interviewing you when you say, I know I was going to say, wait, did we flip this? Yeah. You said you had this rage when this, when this person said this to you, who were you mad at? Myself. Right. Right. Yeah. I was mad you at myself. Here, right. Yeah. 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 I was like, oh my God, I am. I'm just sitting here. I'm going to do this. And I wasn't doing it. I wasn't taking the action. And it was, it was me that I was mad at. I, I I truly, and that's part of my mission. Like I wish women and men, mostly women understood you deserve, everybody has the right to do what they love to do and only what they love to do, to do it all day long and to get paid copious amounts of money for it. Everybody, yeah. everybody, everybody, you just have to do the work. You have to do the work and take the risk or the perceived risk and double down on what it is you think you want to do. It's, it's, uh, I, I wish I'd done it earlier, but I believe in divine timing. So I'm sure there was a reason. 
Can I, how, what age were you when you left corporate? You know, I want to say, I think I was 43. Yeah. I, I, you know, yeah, probably about 43. No, I was 45. When I left my job, 45. When I left my corporate job, 45. Yep. Yeah. I feel like that's when we give ourselves permission to actually want more for ourselves and go after it. Well, yes, because you're 45, you're in your forties. You're the, you're, you're coming out of the happiness curve. You're coming at, you're going up in the curve. Let's so, talk about that. Yeah. Cause that the happiness curve. I was yeah. like, this makes so much sense to me. What is the happiness curve? Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to paraphrase. So, and, and, um, caution this with, this is what it means to me. The, the happiness curve is a real thing. It's a, it's a U shaped curve, which is scientifically backed, um, which shows that people that through the different stages of your life, you're happy, you start happy and that makes sense, right? So you start, you're young, you're, you're tiny, you're a baby. So you're happy all the time. You have the youth, youthful optimism and then it goes down and like, you're a shitstorm in your twenties and thirties. You know, remember the show 30 something. Do you remember that oh show? My, yes. <laughs> Michael used to cry every episode. I'd be like, come on, Michael cry again. So, the, so then in your 20s and 30s, you're trying to figure out who you are. You're busting your ass. You're, you know, you're um, striving, 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 and not in a good way. Grinding, I think is a better word. Grinding, grinding, grinding. And then you hit your 40s. And your 40s, for me, my 40s was an epic, epic decade. You know who you are. You 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 have some money. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Some money has something to do with it. I mean, you you have enough money to do some of the things that you've always wanted to do. You start to care less about what other people think. I think for women, there's a certain, a lot of women fear turning 30. A lot of women fear turning 40. A lot of women fear turning 50. Your 40s, for me, I was not married. I was not seeing anyone. I was alone and turning 40. And there was a huge weight that came off of me because I was like, Okay, well now I'm 40. I don't have the white, I don't have the house. I don't have the white picket fence. I don't have the 2.5 children. Now I can breathe and relax and be who I want to be. Like I didn't, I didn't combust. Everything's fine. And I love my life. I loved my life. Loved it. Um, so then you continue on. And and some some people say 40s, some people say 50s, but around like mid-40s, you start to come way, start coming way back up on that u-shape and statistically proven the older you are the happier you are and the people who are most happy are in their 80s and 90s think about it you've lived your life you have zero worries you in theory if you've lived a good life and you have you don't care what any you truly don't care what anybody thinks and you get to sit back and enjoy the life you've built you finally get to stop grinding and just sit back and mm-hmm. that to me when I learned about the ha- the happiness curve, I was like, this makes total sense. And this is what I've been saying. And this makes total sense. I did not know, however, that the older you get, the happier you, you are. I mean, I knew that, you know, I knew 40s get great, 50s are great. And to me, it takes the fear out of growing old, like uh, the fear out of being 80 and 90. Like I know that I'm going to be the happiest I've ever been. So I'm not going to worry about that now. And I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to, I'm going to take care of myself and my body and my, you know, everything, but I'm not, I don't fear it like I used to. Yeah. That's interesting that you say you don't fear it like you used to, because it's the same. 
I kind of have started to see things in a different way. And like, I look at people like Jane Fonda, who's what in her eighties and she's Mm -hmm. still going and she's still doing things. And she's just like, I'm like, I feel like that's what I aspire to be. I don't think I'm ever going to stop doing stuff or creating. I think it's just going to morph into different things. Totally agree. Yeah. Yes. And she's the, she's the, the role model for that a hundred percent. She actually, I wish I could remember. She's had some great quotes on getting older. And it's interesting because when I was in my twenties and thirties and women in their fifties would talk about how great their fifties are, I'd be like, you know, come on. You gotta, you gotta dye your hair. You look like shit. You gotta work out, you gain weight, all that stuff. And, and now I, I know that that's, that's absolutely not true. It's, it's absolutely not true. Well, and I think the age thing has changed a lot over the years because I remember being young and watching shows like three's company and like Mr. Roper. I don't know what his actual name is, but apparently when he was doing that show, he was like early fifties and he looked like he was 80. Wow. Really? I I think the same thing. Isn't that interesting? So it's. It's, I feel like we're aging differently. Obviously we have things to help us age right? gracefully, right. but like, yeah, it's such a, cause I always joked, I'm like, oh, thirties are the new twenties. My thirties were okay, I guess. But when I turned 40, I was actually really excited. Maybe because I had just gotten divorced. Maybe because I was single, maybe because I could do what I wanted, but yeah. I, it's funny. I loved my four. I didn't mind turning 40, mm-hmm. 45 for me was a little bit weird because I feel like in my head, it was that I was at the top of the hill. Now I'm going downhill. Yep. But yep. See, that goes to beliefs too, because listen to what people say in society. This is what I heard. Oh, when you hit 40, everything goes downhill. Your body Mm -hmm. falls apart. Everything just goes to shit. So, and this goes to the law of assumption. If you assume something to be true, it's going to show up in your reality. So if you go into your forties and you're like, oh, I'm 40, everything's falling apart and going to shit. Guess what's going to happen? Everything's going to feel like it's going to shit. Mm -hmm. So I had to flip my perspective on that, like in a massive way. And I was like, no, 45, I'm just, I'm just going. Like you can't be a master teacher in young ages is how I feel. (laughs) Absolutely. And when you, when you flipped your perspective, like I say, be careful what you're taking in, like, who are you following? Right. Who, you know, who, who are you modeling yourself after? And that, that, I don't even think that was conscious, conscious, conscious on my part. I started looking to other women that, that's how I wanted to be when I was older. You know, Jane Fonda is a good example, but you know, even some of the other ones, um, there was somebody with dark, I remember there was a beautiful woman with dark black hair. I can't remember who it was, but I'm like, I saw an ad for her. She was an ad for L'Oreal or something. And she was stunning. And you could tell she was, you know, she was in her fifties. She was older. Mm-hmm. And I said, she's gorgeous. I'd much rather look like her and, you know, or, or have that kind of presence than some of these, you know, 20 and 30 year olds, I, yeah, I, but I think you need to make a con- conscious shift to yep. what you're consuming and and 
you know, who you're, who you're following. The other thing I wanted to say really quick is somebody said something funny to me, a friend of mine, she said, when you hit your forties, your body starts looking the way it should look based on how you're treating it. Right. Like in your twenties or thirties, I remember I would be like, Oh, I'm going to have tab cola and salad for three days. I'm going to drop 10 pounds. I'm going to look amazing. And you can't do that anymore. You have to, you can still, you can still, you know, get healthy and have the great skin or whatever it is, but you can't beat your body up like you used to because it's going to say time out. You, you really need to start taking care of me, which I think is how it's a, it's almost a defense mechanism. It says you better, you know, you better start thinking about how you're, how you're, what you're feeding yourself, you know, kind of how you're treating your body because you don't have as much time to mm-hmm. recover in your lifetime. I mean, yeah. so yeah, it, that, anyway. I feel like in your forties too, you also start to get to the underlying cause of things. Like for me this year, it's about getting to the root cause of why some things have been happening in my body and hiring like specialists and really investing in that because being younger, I was like, I don't want to deal with the fact that like I might have Hashimoto's because I don't, that is like a death sentence people were like, you can't ever drink, you can't eat gluten, you can't have dairy. I was like, I don't want to deal with that as a younger person. Right. Cause so I want to live so my life. Deny it. Right. Yeah, right. I'm just right. going to ignore it. Right. 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 It's going to get progressively worse. <laughs> and then, right. And right. then you're like, Oh, now I'm ready to deal with this because yep. it's different. Yep. We, yep. yeah. It's like you almost for me anyways, you almost develop a new respect for like all of the parts of you, including your health. Whereas before it was like, build the business, build the business, build the business, build abundance, which is fine. It's awesome. But part of abundance is like your mental, physical and spiritual health. Like it all goes together. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for me, I think I just, I got to calm down. That's the way I say it. Like, yeah. We're like, that's it in a nutshell, calm down. Everything's going to be okay. This is me to myself. Just shush, shush a minute. Just everything's going to be fine. (laughs) You're going to be okay. Let's, you know, you can make decisions based on how you know you want to live. You have the confidence to do that. You know, if you lose this friend, that's okay. Seasons, reasons, lifetime. You really start to enjoy the life that you've curated. If that's what you've done Mm -hmm. and you get to just breathe. And it's shocking what will happen when you get to do that. I love that perspective because you actually just made me realize something. I am so much calmer now. (laughs) It's like, eh, it is like, this is what it is. If I don't like what's going on around me, it's based on the choices I made previously. Mm -hmm. I know that I can make new choices now and create something new down the road. But I also think it ties into you really, really have to surround yourself with other people, but especially women, us women, you have to surround yourself with next level, powerful, amazing women. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, it's, I'm not saying you're not going to grow, but it's going to be harder. I'd say you won't. I'll say it. Yeah. I mean, you, you, no, that's not fair. It will take longer and it will be more hard. Yeah. I would agree with that. 
And that's not always easy. There have been a few uh, friendships that I've had with women that, and you know, I, I, I just, I just recorded a podcast on it. I, I called it letting go of what's no longer serving you. And that's people too. So, yeah. you know, not, or serving who you want to be. There have been a few that I've just, I've, I've had to move on either because we don't have anything in common anymore, or they're not, they, they weren't supporting the life that I wanted. And that's a very tough decision to make. Um, and I'd also say it's one of the most important decisions you have to make a hundred percent. I agree. And in this journey, and as you're expanding, you are going to lose friends. Like you just are. I remember thinking, oh, I'm going to stay friends with all of my corporate people. And I tried, <laughs> we went out and I couldn't believe, I just, I couldn't handle the conversations it was so negative and toxic and I was just like I can't to be in this like it's very it contracts your energy and that's this is what I explained to people as you are elevating your energy becomes more expansive you're going to attract in different people your energy is not going to match many of the people that you met when you were at that energy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying low vibe, high vibe. I'm not saying that, but it is a different energy. And a lot, it scares the shit out of people because making change is scary. And sometimes one of the biggest things that prevents people from actually working with me, it's not that they're scared it's not going to work. It's they're scared that it is going to work. Oh, yeah. And what's going to change? What if my relationships don't stay the same? What if I end up getting everything that I want? Yeah. That's scary. That's scary. That's it very is scary. scary. Yeah. hundred. Yep. I, yes, yes. Yeah. I, you know, and I, and I've gone through that a few times in my life with um, different friends or friend groups or even work groups. And for me, I feel bad because I feel like I'm leaving people behind. Yeah, I did too. And that's okay. I mean, I guess I, you know, you just grieve that loss and move on like seasons, reasons, lifetime, you know, that it sounds so cliche, but it's, it's almost like remember uh, Marie Kondo. Mm. Thank you. Thank you for its service. You know, it's me and my husband many years ago, we started, well, not many years ago, we only married five years, but a few years ago, we started saying, if it doesn't bring us joy, it's out. Right. That's it. And we do that. And we do it with stuff around the house and we do it with people. If, if they're not bringing you joy, you, you, why are you, why are you expending that energy on them? Yeah. Why? why? Obligation, loyalty, perceived obligation, perceived loyalty. Yeah. It's, it's a game changer. It's a game changer, but, and it's difficult. It really is. And when you take that giant leap, that risk, whatever we want to call it. Like, I mean, and you work with Tiffany as well, but I remember thinking, am I insane? Like the Canadian conversion to be able to work with her. I was like, this is like $16,000 for two Mm -hmm. months. Are Mm -hmm. you insane? Mm -hmm. But it made the money back within a few months. And easily just taking that step created a whole new world of possibilities. Yes. It, yes, endless. It forces you to show up. You get expanded to a whole new different opportunities. You look at people who've done it, done what you want to do. You, 
you know, one of the reasons that that I were that I hired her um, was that she, I said, "There's very few people who can call me out on my shit. Very few, and I know that." Right. Same. That's why right. I hired her. That's the exact. Right. Reason. I, was like, I said. I remember saying that to her. Like, like very few, and I'm not proud of that. I'm not. Like, you know, I, I, but. But I knew she could, and I knew that when I was spending that much money, that I would I'd be a lot more committed to doing it. And game changer for me as well. I, you know, there's no question. Yeah. There's no question. Yeah. That's so also why I hired her because I'd been following her for years, and I was like, "Yep, she's pretty much the only one that I will let call me out on some shit." Right. And that's what she right. did, yeah. but she does it in a loving way. This podcast okay. yeah. happens every week now because of a conversation we had with like her and I, and one of the most profound things I remember her saying to me was, this isn't about you. It's about the people you help. hundred percent. So I don't give a shit <laughs> if you don't feel like showing up. It's not about you. And when she said that, the perspective shift, my mind was blown. I was like, oh my, it isn't about me. You're right. And it's not to say you have to grind and like, you can't ever have bad days. You can. But when I met her last year, this podcast was maybe happening once a month. It was very willy nilly. I was throwing spaghetti at the wall. Right. And then when I made the commitment, I remember her saying, how, how much are you going to commit? And I was like, I don't know. I think like bi-weekly would be good. She's like, okay, <laughs> so every week then you're going to show up. And when I started showing up every week, that also changed things and made it more expansive for me. Yes. I don't know. Yes. You find sometimes your podcast is also a bit like therapy for you because you can just like have these. <laughs> it's a hundred percent. It's, it's whatever's going on in my life. Yeah. It's, it's real life examples because I want to take what happens to me and share it with, with other people as a learning or, you know, it, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. I absolutely love it. Yeah. And I think too, it's very interesting because I don't know if we were talking about this or might've been on the intake form. We humans like to create our own glass ceilings oh yeah no yeah 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 yeah. that was on the intake form yep yep why do you think that is okay so i might get emotional um okay this is why i think this is and this is how i change my change my perspective <clears throat> so i do a lot of public speaking and uh on march 8th every year on or around march 8th is international women's day and it's a day when companies double down on their, on their female groups, their ERGs, their women's networking groups, whatever the case may be. So I did almost all of my programs virtually this year, which was great because, um, I spoke to literally thousands of, of women and I ask a question in almost all, almost every keynote where I say, do me a favor, throw me a note in the chat, um, about something you were told when you were younger that has stayed with you. And I remember, I'm getting goosebumps again. I'm getting goosebumps as I'm telling this. I remember I was sitting in right in this seat where I am now and the chat blew up. I, I had never asked this before. And, and so picture my the chat's uh, scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. And it's lighting up and lighting up and lighting up and lighting up and lighting up. And lighting up. 
I was told I was too much. I was told I was too aggressive. I was told to tone it down a notch. I was told when I was eight years old, I was too confident. I was told now, and this is going on and on and on. And here are these women. They are now in their thirties and forties. And what I realized was in fifties, we all have baggage, all of us, every single one of us. I can remember to this day, one, one of the most hurtful things someone ever said to me, I remember how old I was. I remember where I was. I remember who it was. And it still lives in my head, still lives in there. Doesn't mean I, doesn't mean I let it, let it stop me, but it absolutely still very painful, still lives there. So we all have baggage and it's when you listen to the baggage and you let it impact what you do that you are building your own glass ceiling. I've Brenda, I've seen the numbers, you know, and, and this is what I do. When you look at the women, uh, women earning 82 cents on the dollar, women only um, will only go for a job if they're hundred percent qualified and men will go for a job if they're half qualified, only 40% of women negotiate their salary, right? This is who, whose fault is that? Right. And I'm not, I, I left my job to empower women. We have to raise our hand. We have to ask for the, for the money. We have to, you know, not let Ethan's of the world speak over us. And in many cases, I've seen it. We're listening to that baggage and we're holding back and we're building our own glass ceiling. That is, it is a hundred percent. And that's not a very um, PC thing to say. And I know that. I'm telling you, I've walked the talk. I've done the work. It's It's been my life for the past five years. And every single woman I work with one-on-one, the first thing we do, like I'm sure it is with you, is figure out, okay, why do you want to do this? Um, what's your true why? Which you, you probably heard me do with Tiffany. And it, when we do that, we uncover all the baggage because you you have to work through that first. If I had listened to these people, I'd be... I, I don't even want to say what I'd be doing because yeah. And it's, it's hard and it's, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult. It's wild too, because yeah, mindset, you have to have the foundation. You can't build your dream house on a big pile of shit. Cause it's just going to like fall over. But like when I'm working with people, even when I'm having the application call, I will ask the women if they're like, I want to make more money, I'm like, cool. How much money do you want to make? The look on their faces mm-hmm. when I ask that question, because women especially have been taught, don't talk about that. Unbelievable. Do you ever see men not talking about how much they make and what they're investing in and all that? No, they have no problem with that. But women, we almost have this, and a lot of women do have this shame around wanting more for themselves mm-hmm. or wanting to make a shit ton of money. And it'll come out as, well, I want to be able to serve a lot of people. I'm like, that's great. Serving people is great. Making an impact is great. But you know what? You're also allowed to like money. <laughs> yeah. And say, I like money because you know what? The more money I have, the more opportunities I have and the more I can give back to things that I care about. A hundred percent. I also think, because I'm thinking back to what happened when I was working with my coach many years ago. I don't think in, in, in the scenario you just shared or the case you just shared, I don't think 
women even understand that, well, what do you mean? I get to decide how much I'm going to make. Isn't it going to happen to me? We don't. Right. We don't. Right. Like what, what, what is it? Is it, is it a half a million? Is it a million? What is it? So it's, it, and that's the, they were, they were told repeatedly when they were younger that, that that wasn't for them or they couldn't do that or, you know, whatever it was, it could have been on a soccer field, but it, it stays with you. It stays with you. Yeah. And stop. We were literally taught to stop dreaming because Mm -hmm. one of the other things that happens when people come in and we start talking about dreaming, like, what do you want to create? Most of the women who come in, their first thing out of their mouth is I don't even know what makes me happy. Mm. That breaks my heart. Mm -hmm. That breaks my heart. Yeah. I don't even know what makes me happy. And if you don't even know what makes you happy, how do you give yourself permission to want more? And I get it because there was a time in my life too, where I didn't know what made me happy. I didn't even think I had emotions for like 15 years. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Cause you like, I just cut myself off from all of that. And especially in the corporate environment, you're Ethan. I had a dawn and I remember I'm very passionate about things and I would be presenting to like executives and CEOs. And I remember we would come out of a presentation. He would look at me and go, yeah, that was good, but you should have done this, 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 and this. And you know, you've really got to tone it down in there. You can't be so passionate. That was also a catalyst for me making the decision to like, Mm -hmm. get the fuck out. Mm-hmm. I had executives saying, I love your passion. I love they're complimenting me. And he was just like knocking me down, knocking me down. Yeah. It's, and think about when you step into who you are, when you like that passion and, and that, that creativity in your case, when you step into that, your life is never the same again. It's not, it's amazing. And Honestly, I think it's been the past year and a bit where I've really just stepped into who I actually am. Like, mm-hmm. I have less fucks. I swear like a trucker. I don't care. That, and I think some of that too is that comes with age and wisdom, but you really don't because you you really, you just don't. You're like, okay, I, okay. Not everybody's going to like me. Was that you that was saying you listened to that episode? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying it gives you permission to go around being an asshole, but not everybody's going to like me. I I can be, you know, I can be the best version of myself and someone's not, it's not going to, okay, that's all right. I don't like everybody. Yeah, so, exactly. That's why I know. loved that episode. And I'm going to link all the things like, I'm going to link your podcast, all the things where people can get your book. Like, I know you also have, a retreat, I believe, I coming up in October. Yes, on Cape Cod. And you're calling it Do the Thing, right? It's Do the Thing. Tell it's us more thing. about that. So the Do the Thing retreat, it, well, we all have the thing that we want to do that we think will, will, that we think and we know will catapult our life into what it's meant to be. You did the thing. I, I would assume you did the thing. Oh, I did the thing. Yeah, right. Um. So this is two and a half days to pull yourself out of your life, out of the distractions, come to Cape Cod. I have, I rented a beautiful house in the woods 
in the historic Cape Cod National Seashore, two and a half days. And I'm going to take everybody through the process for how to figure out what the thing is if you don't know. And if you do know, it's understanding your why, um, owning, you know, owning, it's owning your why. And I'm trying to think of the way, investing in yourself and the tactical plan. So what happens is you come with this, I want to do the thing, I don't know how to do it. And you leave with the plan. It's done. So think about it. This is in early October. By Thanksgiving, you're you're done with whatever whatever the thing was. Can you imagine not not wanting to, not having any New Year's resolutions? Being like, oh well, I guess I did everything, so I don't have any resolutions. I'm just going to enjoy the parties of the holiday season. Can't- I love that. I mean, yeah. So it's happening on Cape Cod. If you if if so if you're listening and you're not sure there's an application, fill it out. I will hop on the phone with you myself because I want to make sure that whoever does it really leaves doing the thing. Giving you the tingles. If you're listening to this episode and you're like, oh yeah, that feels so good to me. Mm -hmm. Then you need to get on that because let me tell you, Nancy is no bullshit. She's going to take you through the stuff so that you can do the thing. And I also love that you are so aware of energy and I just, can we talk, um, can, do we have yeah, time to let's talk, talk about, about this? Okay. So this is so wild because this is, this is one of the reasons why I think I gravitated towards you. And I don't know where this came from, but maybe five years ago, I remember saying, and so I would have been like just about in my mid forties. I remember saying to myself, I have a finite amount of energy. And I get to choose how I spend it. And I get to choose what other energy I'm around. Like I can't, it's up to me. And that was often an excuse for, you know what? I don't really want to go out with that person. I don't like the vibe or they're, I feel they're toxic or they're negative or whatever. I am going to protect my energy at all costs. And I have to do it kindly and with clear and kind boundaries Um, and it's not always well-received by the way, this is family, Mm -hmm. close family, friends, people in the workplace, you know, it's, and it's even, you know, at some point I I was just telling you before the, before we got on that I had a birthday weekend with tons of events. And the last event I ended up canceling because I'm like, I'm depleted. I, I need to recharge. I can't go into the week feeling this depleted. And, you know, my husband was disappointed, but he understood. So, so I love this idea of energy, energy flow, energy attraction. I mean, it is legit. It is legit. And I know that the people listening to this podcast know that. Mm -hmm. Um, I would just say, you know, you got to do everything you can to harness and maximize that energy because it's, that's how you live. That's how you thrive. That's how how you thrive. It is. And you can have all the strategies and all the funnels and all the business tactics and even the mindset, but energy, your energetic system is a foundational piece of this. And it's why I'm so passionate about this because so many people don't recognize that or they have really analytical minds. And it's like, well, I don't understand how taking four minutes out of my day to clear myself and connect myself and ground myself is going to do anything different, but it's a fucking game changer. Just being mindful 
of your energy and oh is am i holding on to somebody else's shit or is this actually mine it not only changes your life it changes your business it changes your relationships it changes everything i agree totally agree and it makes it much easier to tune into your inner guidance and your intuition and actually hear the messages because when you're safe and contained in your own energy you're more connected to all of you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How does it get any better than that? I, you know, it really doesn't. I, I'm so passionate about what you do. I love it. I didn't even know people like you existed. I wish I had known that. If I had known that 20 years ago, are you kidding me? I'd probably be president. I'd be something. I appreciate that. And it's funny because I didn't like talking about this because I was like, oh, people are going to think I'm one of those. It's too woo woo. Uh, Yeah. And it is, it isn't, it's science. Oh my gosh. I was was just going to say in one of my um, sessions that I do, I say where woo woo meets science. This is where woo woo meets science. Statistically proven, even something like confirmation bias, right? Yeah. When you think it and believe it, you will bring in people, places, whatever to support it. That's it. That's science. Yeah. It's just like people like, Oh, you can't be all positive, wishy-washy thinking. It's like, but I'm not being (laughs) wishy-washy about it. I'm choosing to focus on the outcome I want versus focusing on all the shit that could go wrong. Because if you're focused on all the shit that's going to go wrong, that's all you're going to see. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So why not focus on the things that like the outcome that you want, even if you don't know how the fuck it's going to work. And I always say the how is not your job because it really isn't. As long as you're taking actions forward, as long as you have faith and not, I'm not even necessarily saying faith in like a bigger thing outside of you. I'm saying as long as you have faith in yourself to make things work, they will. But what if you don't have the faith in yourself? Because you've that's been told, the right. trick. That's right. where you do work with you or you right. do work with right. me and right. we help right. you create that right. foundational piece Right. because so many of us don't have the faith. Mm-hmm. And so when you clear out that energetic debris and that trapped emotions and re-pattern your subconscious, especially the faith comes. I love so it. You start you to kidding? see the changes and you're like, holy flying footballs. Why aren't you doing a retreat? Um, it's funny that you say that. I'm in talks to do something next year. For you me, it to had to be the right timing yep. and yep. the right place. And I'm looking at something next year. You were not the first person to ask me that. I mean, this to me is a no-brainer. I mean, for mine in October is the no-brainer, but as a follow-up. <laughs> Um, I, it's a no brainer. Like you, you want to change your life, go sit down with you for a couple of days. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's, uh, I feel like we need like a big retreat with like a bunch of powerhouse women in it. I hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. That is yes. Yep. yep. Yeah. I love that. I'm, I love having these conversations with people. I'm so glad that we got to connect. I also have one last question for you because I ask it of everybody. Uh-oh. <laughs> dun dun dun. What does living a limitless life mean to you? 
Oh, did I know this was coming? No, probably not. <laughs> okay. Um, so that's easy. It is, um, it's living a lim limitless life to me is stepping into who I know I'm meant to be making strategic decisions and then having the grace to honor those decisions and thriving every day. And that's it. Mm, so. I love that. And I'm going to add to that based on knowing you now, part of my living a limitless life is always making sure that I'm unmuted. I love it. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love it. So thank you so much for being here. I know everybody's going to get so much out of this conversation. And like, I just really appreciate being able to have these conversations with people like you. So thank you. The best. I love, keep doing what you're doing. I love it. It's amazing. You're amazing.